This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. It's time for MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill, who just came sprinting in from another room. <laughs> I'm Jay White. Let that happen again, and it's no more Season Pass for you, ma'am. No, it's uh, it, today is the last episode of MPB's Season Pass, and I haven't talked to, to Liz, so I hope I'm not about this specifically, so I am not hope I'm not putting everything on Front Street here, but... Liz, if you want to, I would love to talk to spend a little bit of time about what the future project is so that in the future, when people tune in at 10 o'clock on Thursdays, they'll know what's going on. We can do that during our fourth segment. All right. That's Liz producing right there on the fly. Live production on air meeting. I got Sam Wells in the studio with me here, who was, um, I guess, technically the first producer of the show for about the first, I don't know, year and a half or two years. Um, Jason Klein, our director of radio, just kind of uh, penned this hour on to me, and it was my responsibility for what happened Thursdays at 10 for a full hour. And it was uh, fun for about, uh, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes, and then it was like a sheer panic for the rest of that time. <laughs> and then Sam came into our radio department, a godsend, and uh, was assigned to this here season pass and uh, immediately made it uh, some smooth riding. And uh, coincidentally, uncoincidentally, the ratings went up with it, and it has continued with Liz. And we're, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk to her about that a little bit later. But Sam is in the studio with us again. Thanks for coming back, buddy. Yeah, man. I'm a day job with Special Olympics Mississippi, so I have to plug them Absolutely. while I'm here. We've had so. you on multiple times yeah. since you left, jerk, yeah. about yeah. Uh, <laughs> the things that you're doing with uh, Special Olympics Mississippi. Yeah. Let's start so with that. So they, tell me what's uh, going on. We're doing a lot of stuff, man. We just moved our office. Uh, we relocated to get a little bit of a more visual visual um, uh, footprint in uh, in the state. We were way down Highway 51. It was kind of like going to like the Batcave to get to our uh, our older office, but uh, we moved into <laughs> the Fondren Corner building. The community down there has been very supportive of us. We'll have a little table out there today uh, at Fondren's first, or Fondren after five to kind of try and get uh, athletes and, uh, and volunteers signed up. Um, and we'll be uh, having a, a gala for uh, to celebrate our volunteers, our athletes, uh, we took a bunch of people to Seattle, won 23 gold medals out there. Um, actually, Saturday, Saturday at Ole Miss, Ole Miss Southern Illinois game. Ole Miss is a Special Olympics college, so they are going to uh, – they sent a unified flag football team out there to compete in the college division. And uh, Ole Miss beat, Oklahoma, or beat uh, North Carolina with a last-second touchdown to win the bronze what? medal. So they'll be bringing them out at halftime of the game Saturday. That so is awesome. If you're going to the game or watching it online – And if State hears about this, they'll have a team. State has a team. But and, I was going to say. By three o'clock this afternoon, they will be going with us. I'm pretty <laughs> confident they'll be going next time uh, the games are in Orlando. So I think Mississippi State will be t- bringing their folks down. Hey, that's but, very cool. But uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. But uh, yeah, man, I could. Liz called me and asked uh, if I would come by about the show. I I, I don't want to get sentimental here, but I guess that's kind of the point. That's okay. Uh, 
it was a it's it was the dream of my life to have a sports talk show about Mississippi, and uh, yeah. me and you had one for about three and a half four years. Um, we did some good stuff. We won an AP award for the best sports show in the state of Mississippi in 2015 for our show we did about the effect of Hurricane Katrina on the Saints. Yeah, that um, was really good. We got to talk to Deuce McAllister and Tim by the Brando. Way, by the way, we for a while anyway we applied for I, I don't know how many AP awards and every entry that that had my name listed first <laughs> would finish second and I think we sent in one with Sam's name listed first and it won it was first so that's it, a part of my long and storied history and tradition WE of being, over WH right. so I guess they stuck, <laughs> uh, being stuck an AP my name. award bridesmaid in, uh, well in guys first. let's go ahead and listen to that there's a little clip from the Deuce McAllister and the Katrina uh, story and let's play that and then y'all can talk about it okay absolutely in 2005, as the as Hurricane Katrina formed in the uh, in the Atlantic and moved into the Gulf, storm approached Deuce, and you guys were shipped out to I believe it was California. What was the team's mindset going into this? It was something that is, was pretty wild. That's never really happened before. We actually um, we had a game, another preseason game against uh, Oakland, and so we were, we we left. We played Friday night. We played against Baltimore, and as the storm is approaching, um, we get calls from coaches, personnel, hey, look, you know, we're going to leave and, and, and get out of here before the storm comes in so we can continue to practice because at that time we were still in quote-unquote training pro training camp preseason mode, so we ended up leaving that Saturday, probably Saturday afternoon, I think, uh, in that after, that evening, getting all your family out, not really taking a lot of clothes, but it, taking a, at least, you know, you know you'll be out there um, until that Thursday because that's when we played Oakland, I had no idea, no idea that we would not be returning to New Orleans for about almost close to seven months. You know, that's basically when we were able to go back home on a full-term basis and, you know, just to see the city and the people just suffering in the way and the manner that it was, it was uh, it was eye-opening, to say the least. I actually had the opportunity to come back the Saturday. Um, Katrina, you know, pretty much uh, hit that weekend on Monday. The levees broke that afternoon, um, per se. I had the opportunity to come back to New Orleans on Saturday to see it for myself. Um, as far as organization, you know, we didn't come back until full term. It was pretty much uh, January, February before we came back full full time as far as organization. Um, just in talking to everyone, you know, you just have, you, you have a lot of worry. You have uh, the family that you're close to. You want to make sure that they were safe and the family that you didn't talk to on a day-to-day basis, you tried to reach out to them and make sure they were okay. The 2005 season was a season like no one else has ever seen. There's so many questions that I have that I could ask you about this season. Uh, first of all, let's just talk about how awkward it was to move that football game. The New York Giants home game against the Saints was moved to the Meadowlands, uh, and you played former Ole Miss Rebel as well, Eli Manning and the Giants, away from home. Uh, there were a lot of gnashing the teeth back here. I can tell you that about them moving that game so far away. Uh, I mean, if it was 
was tough. I mean, there's, there's no other way to say it and to describe it outside of that. You know, you knew that you were not going to have a quote-unquote home field advantage. You knew that it was a tough situation. We tried to make the best of it, but to say that for us to have the deck fully against us, that's exactly what it was. Um, it was it was tough. Yeah. You know, that, that that's as easy as I can say. You know, I, I know that the league had never been through anything like that. You know, we as players had never been through anything like that. Um, we wanted answers. We were not getting the answers that we wanted. We still had to go out and perform. Tried to go out and do the best we, we could. Um, that didn't work out well. I ended up getting hurt. So I'm, I'm, I'm not able to, to participate like I wanted to. And so you, you have one thing after the other that feels like that's going against you. And you just try to make it work. And for the most part, we, we, we just couldn't we couldn't make it happen. And then you come back and they play the half of the games in San Antonio. And they play the other half at a place you know pretty well, being an Ole Miss Rebel. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Tiger Stadium. What a awkward, I guess, would be a better uh, a better word to explain the atmosphere. Was it bizarre for you to play in a place like that in front of the crowd you played in uh, with the Saints and think back to when you were at Ole Miss and playing in front of that same crowd? It was such a different atmosphere, it seemed like. Definitely a different atmosphere. You know, one where a lot of people were going and they were just trying to get away for, for, for three hours from their adjuster, from their insurance, from their hassle, from dealing with everything related to Katrina. And we were going to try to provide, you know, with them uh, three hours of excitement. A lot of people could not afford some of those tickets. Some of them had season tickets and they tried to do their best to honor them. Playing in San Antonio, they tried to welcome and open with open arms and, you know, a lot of times they, they, some of the people understood, some of them didn't, you know, as far as football. I know the Cowboys weren't happy that we were there because we were pulling some of their fan base, but they tried to make it work. It it, it, it was tough. I mean, uh, that was probably one of the only times as a professional team that a team has flown in the day of to go and perform and play a game, you know, because uh, it got to a point in Baton Rouge where there were not enough hotel rooms because you had so many people that were displaced, there were not enough rooms in Baton Rouge. And so for us just to be coming in on Saturday night and performing and playing on Sunday, it was unique, you know, to say the least. Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass. That was uh, Sam's conversation uh, with Deuce McAllister about the Saints and their displacement during Katrina. Really cool insight. Uh, that was an AP award-winning uh, uh, episode of our program. I just thought that was such an interesting topic, Jay, because it like, if you think about it, the only thing a positive that had a positive effect that Katrina, the only thing Katrina had a positive effect on, the Saints. Yeah, you could get tickets before Katrina for like ten bucks. I can't even like stand outside the Superdome now for ten bucks. Yeah, that game they went from a perennial loser year after year and a joke in the NFL to a team that everyone expects to be in the playoffs. Well, it's it's strange because you know it, it, their reclamation is is it kind of goes hand in hand with Drew Brees. Oh yeah, I don't sure. know that uh, you know and Deuce played a big part too and 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 you know he's he's a local guy and so he understands. Uh, but but Drew, who's not a local guy, is, uh, you know, a, a Rust Belt native, played at Purdue and you know played the first part of his career in San Diego. Yeah. He comes into New Orleans and just kind of adopts the place, you know, and, and the Gulf Coast by and large, you know, kind of adopts it as as his home, completely embraces it, which you don't see pub, you know professional athletes do these days. 
And uh, they had their training camp before his inaugural season, which they went to the NFC Championship game uh, yeah. at Millsaps. At so Millsaps they tried College to, in Jackson, yeah. They tried to get every all the states involved uh, with the recovery and stuff. And like I said, they literally went from a joke of a team who threw passes all the way. You know, they had that crazy play against Jacksonville to tie the game, except oh, yeah. they didn't because they missed the extra point. Like missed the extra point. That would never ha- like. I, I feel like people that are below a certain age group now just don't understand what the Saints were. Pre-Katrina. Oh, certainly. certainly not. And now after they are expected to be in the playoffs and when they're not, it's uh, very much a gnashing of teeth down there. But that was never the case before that. Yeah. All right. So less than a month after the the Saints episode, uh, that was in August of 2015, uh, in our September 17th, 2015 episode, you got a chance to interview Billy Brewer. Um, he it, it means Ooh. a great difference yeah. now. Of course, Sam is a, a, <laughs> he is Ole Miss alumni, so um, it, it means even more now. He was inducted into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame this year. Uh, and also passed away recently. Um, uh, was he, he was here long enough to be recognized as an inductee, uh, between, but between the announcement and the recognition and the original um, press opportunities and the actual induction is when he passed away. So um, he did know that he was going to be a Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer, which is awesome stuff. But we've talked to a bunch of Ole Miss guys who played in the late 50s, early 60s under Johnny Vaught and uh, Billy Brewer, one of those guys. We heard a lot of great comments from them about that team and Coach Vaught. But you had a chance to uh, actually uh, interview Coach Brewer, who's known to multiple generations of Ole Miss fans for different reasons. He was kind of the guy who <laughs> was handed the reclamation project in 1982, 81? 83. 83, okay. Mm-hmm. And 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 kind of restored Ole Miss football to respectability. Uh and, of course, he was a player on some of their best teams of all time, too. So uh, um, let's play this clip. We've got uh, a clip here from your interview from September the 2015 with Billy Brewer. And then I'll ask you about what that meant to you and uh, some more of that. The second winningest coach in Ole Miss football history. He also was 3-2 and two in bowl games. He was a two-time SEC coach of the year. And he's also the only man to lead the Ole Miss Rebels into Tuscaloosa and come out with a victory. Billy Brewer is on the phone with us today. How you doing, Coach? How you doing, buddy? You went into Alabama. Uh, the Tide were uh, a pretty pretty sizable favorite over your team in 1988. Uh, just talk about the team coming into the game and uh, your thoughts on did Ole Miss have a shot to win this game? Well, going into the game, it was homecoming at Brian. Denny Stadium. It was a dedication of the Mayor Bryant Museum. Hey, and it is it's like going to the Hall of Fame Museum in, in Atlanta, NFL deal. But anyway, it's a big time deal. And busting over there from Oxford going through coming into Alabama, they had this all these road signs, all this stuff, you know, Obama and all this kind of stuff. The kids are reading that. But we had them primed up pretty good. And uh, they had a great player named Derek Thomas, and we couldn't block him, I don't think, with three or four players. <laughs> but anyway, everywhere Derek was, we were in opposite. And that, that was uh, that was the smartest thing we ever did, was find him. And if he's on the left side, we ran the right side. If he's on the right side, we ran the left side. And later on, I, had, I ran into him, and uh, he said the coaches got all over him at halftime and said he wouldn't play in very well. And he said, go. 
I'm defending the air over here. I'm, 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 they're not running my way, which we wasn't going to do it. <laughs> and that's how we really moved the football and how we scored. And uh, the, the amazing thing, I didn't know until after the football game that Alabama did not complete a forward pass that day. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Uh, funny, funnily enough, Jay, he was not really into talking to us until I told him that a young five-year-old uh, named Sam Wells was at the game that day in Tuscaloosa. So uh, it was very, it was really, he, he was, he was very excited about talking about it the next, uh, the next time I spoke with him after that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, what a unique time to be able to speak with him. That was a week before Ole Miss played Alabama in 15, which uh, now of course was a, uh, I guess a pretty controversial time period in almost football history, but at the time, you and I were just excited that we had a top ten matchup with the Crimson Tide, and yep. then uh, and uh, then Ole Miss ended up going over there and winning that game as well. So that's the the only two times in the history of the school that they had beaten Alabama in Alabama, which was pretty wild. But, it was uh, pretty timely, though. Yeah, having to, that conversation with him and to be able to speak with him, uh, and yeah, growing up in Mississippi in the time, and you and I are not very far away as far as age goes. Uh, he and Jackie Sherrill kind of rose both the programs back up to where, you know, there was some sort of respectability. Almost hadn't been to a bowl game in a good decade before uh, Billy took over the program in 83. They went to the uh, Independence Bowl that year. They went back to a bowl in 86. They went back to another bowl in 89. Uh, they went to back-to-back bowls under Brewer for the first time since the late 60s. Uh, so, I mean, it was uh, it was fun to watch that. And then when Sherrill got to Mississippi State, uh, he stirred the pot up a little bit. And then you had a good little rivalry there between Ole Miss and Mississippi State, which is probably what uh, was the rebirth of the uh, or was the birth of the egg ball of the you know the game and the rivalry for the generation that we have now. Absolutely, and um, um, one of the clips that uh, we're going to hear with Liz is actually a part of a conversation she had pretty recently with Jackie Sherrill. And, you know, Liz is a, 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 a University of Texas yeah. gal, so uh, she's got uh, she has uh, uh, multiple reasons to, to have that conversation with yeah. Coach Sherrill because, of course, he coached Texas. A and M for a long time there, and uh, that that's really interesting. Um, so, what, what was your when you came into season pass? What was what was your idea of? of what you wanted to do with the show on a week-to-week basis? Well, it's not so much... I guess I didn't really have an idea at first, but then after a while it was to try and get a timely discussion going about it, about uh, some sort of sporting issue or game that was happening at the time. I didn't want us to be the same show that you hear on different sports networks because we are an NPR. We were an NPR affiliate. We still are, I guess. I'm not here anymore, but we're an NPR affiliate, so you have a more you have a better opportunity to tell a longer form of a story. There was yeah. another thing that occurred, another uh, interview in a show that I remember. You were out of town, I believe, and they were uh, ESPN was about to debut uh, Thunder and Lightning. Yep. So I used to work when I, I went to summer school at Northwestern State uh, in North in uh, North Louisiana, and my mother's friends with a guy who works over there. So I called him, and he set us up with uh, Will Clark, which was terrifying. Will Clark is not the <laughs> nicest. I lo- he was very cool to come on with us. I do not mean to speak disparagingly of Will Clark, but yeah. his he he uh, was very candid about his feelings towards 
Rafael Palmero, that entire situation that went on with him, the steroid deal. Uh, he was very open about all of that stuff, which uh, gave us a great conversation. So we were able to speak with him and the producer of the documentary. And so that was really cool. I don't think that I would have had the opportunity to do that if I was not working here, uh, you know, and on the and on the program. Uh, it was fun to get in with you the first segment and just kind of talk about the various sports happenings of the day. Mm-hmm. It was also really neat to be in the middle of probably the most successful time in our lifetime as far as Mississippi college football yep. uh, goes. And we also had a little bit of fun with uh, some college baseball where Mississippi State ended up going to the national championship semifinal. And the next year, Ole Miss went to the College World Series for the first time since 1972. So uh, it was a really uh, it's kind of lightning in a bottle, I guess, because it was fun to have those four years to do the show. But we also had some fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, and you left and now no one's doing anything anymore. Now everybody's losing. Well, if Mississippi <laughs> State's not losing, I guess they went 8-4 <laughs> last year. Nah, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, look the way Ole Miss looked in the first week. Could have a fun season in store again. Should be exciting. It should be. Sam, thank you so much, man. Yeah. It was a great time, man. We we had a good time. We had fun uh, producing the show. We won some awards. The Egg Bowl special will be one of my favorite ones we did also. Corey Peterson, Wayne Matkin coming on telling some uh, yeah. fun stories about the about the golden egg battle, too. So We got a, a clip from that Will Clark interview, and uh, when we put this uh, episode page up on our website, mpbonline.org, we'll have a clip of that Will Clark interview in there as well. And uh, Sam, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, Jay. All right. When we come back, we'll continue our uh, wake of uh, MPB season pass. We're digging a hole and slinging it in the ground. And something <laughs> new starts next week, and the wheel keeps on turning. I'm Jay White. This is MPB season pass. We'll be right back. Can't get to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. I'm Robin Young. Brett Kavanaugh answers questions about gun and abortion rights and whether a sitting president can be subpoenaed. You're asking me to give my view on a potential hypothetical, and that's something that each of the eight justices currently sitting on the Supreme Court when they're sitting in my seat decline to decide. Next time, here and now. Today at noon on MDB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. Welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with producer Liz Gill. I am Jay White, and we're celebrating the five years of interviews and stories, personalities, and conversations from MPB Season Pass. This is our final episode, five years, two months, somewhere... I don't have an exact count. Maybe I should have spent time trying to do that. But somewhere around 220, between 200 and 250 episodes. So I'll say around 225. How about that? Or do Long you have a, time. Yeah. No, no, the, the, you're the stats guy. <laughs> right. You're the stats guy. Right. I should have kept better notes. Uh, so, Liz, you've been the uh, producer of the show here for the past year. And it's taken a much different direction. Now, look, the, 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 we got the, the ratings 
yesterday. And of our 15 local shows, Season Pass was rated third. So obviously... We're uh, number three. We're number three. (laughs) I feel like WKRP. We're number six. Anyway... So obviously, what you're doing is uh, has been working on the show, but you pulled the show into a very different direction than it had been in its previous four years or so. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, I have a husband who loves sports, and uh, you know we fight over the radio as couples do. We uh, we <laughs> we carpool into work because we both work at the same complex, and a lot of times I want to listen to uh, the news. I, I love working at MPB. I love listening to MPB. But he often likes to listen to sports radio. And there's like 15 billion stations in the Jackson area. (laughs) Uh, AM, FM, national, local, and... uh, It's just yak, 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 yak. And so (laughs) I'm, I'm a... I'm not a sports person. I'm not, well, I'm not an athletic person, but I'm an inquisitive person, and I like to be in the know. So I imagined Season Pass as a sports radio show I would want to listen to. And I wanted to listen to history. I wanted to hear quirky and uh, in fact, I wanted to. I'm going to play our uh, Jackie Cheryl clip that uh, no one has heard. We had kind of a bad phone connection, but uh, this was extremely important to me, and I- I'm going to awesome. play it for y'all. So, welcome to the show, Coach. Uh, thank you very much. We're so glad to have you with us today. When I was talking to you, I had mentioned I had gone to the University of Texas while you were coaching at Texas A&M, and, and I'm sure did, and you did not like me. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't at all. Uh, and I'm sure there's many of our listeners who might be Ole Miss fans. What is it like being a coach? Because this is your job, but you know, as, as we've seen from your career, you've gone around to different colleges, different universities. How does it feel to have to change your allegiance and put up with uh, everybody who's against you? Well, it's it's called a game, and you do what you have to do uh, to understand that. You know, some people it really bothers, and some people. But, you know, I grew up in the Lexington, Mississippi uh, High School, and the University of Mississippi to us was always called Mississippi, and this Mississippi State University was always Mississippi State. LSU was LSU, Southern was Southern. I always referred to the University of Mississippi, Mississippi, instead of OMS, and when I understood, they did not like it. Uh, that was a bigger reason for me to say it. <laughs> There's nothing to take, take anything away from the University of Mississippi being a great university. And it was just a, a phone call. And to use it to your advantage, it, you just kind of put more gasoline on the fire and let it burn that that was so uh, it it literally changed my life to speak with Jackie Cheryl wow um to to hear him you know when you get indoctrinated as a sports fan 
not as a player, not as a coach, but as a fan, uh, you can become fanatical. And to hear him say, it's a game. You use what you use at your to your advantage. And if what you do bothers somebody else and gives you an advantage, well, there you go. And uh, I cannot give enough thanks to Lulu Manis and the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Um, uh, as a new producer, where am I going to get all these guests? Right. <laughs> I'm not Jay White, who uh, oh, has the Rolodex of uh, everybody who's who in sports in Mississippi. So I I, uh, I didn't want to reinvent the wheel, so I called somebody who already had a wheel. And the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame was just fantastic at getting us uh, the personal cell phone numbers. Uh, they called first to ask permission. Uh, hey, there's somebody or every MPB who wants to speak with you. But they were fantastic at getting us access uh, to literally Hall of Famers. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Lulu Manis and and uh, Bill Blackwell, who's been on the, the show uh, a couple of times, who's the executive director there before him, Rick Cleveland, who, of course, is uh, he's been instrumental in so many different historic things uh, in the state of Mississippi, from the Hall of Fame museum building itself to, as we heard uh, from our guest last week, uh, the 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 build the. The how do you put it? The scheduling of the first Southern Miss versus Jackson State game, which was a first um, in-state game between an HBCU and a um, an historically in, in, in predominantly state. white, yeah, and an in-school state university. So uh, that that was that that's a, a a big time deal there, and for her to be able to to produce. All that information to line up a bunch of the the interviews we've done over the last I don't know six months or so specifically. Right. Uh, it's been it's been a joy. It's it, the, the conversations to have with those uh, Mississippi Sports Hall of Famers uh, has been incredible to hear those people tell their stories and some of them uh, are, are so um, personable, like our like Lake Speed, for example. He was hilarious. Uh, Lake we Speed, were in stitches. Right, who's a Mississippi Sports Hall of Famer and was a, uh, a 15 year or so driver on the NASCAR uh, circuit in the uh, uh, I say early 80s to around 2000. And um, I was also a, a world champion uh, kart driver. Uh, the idea was to talk to him all of our interviews, at least up to that point, the the the, the regular idea is to get 15 minutes. Uh, you know, we got, you know, we have these shows. It's an hour long, and so technically, you kind of want to you want to get three guests and and block it up into three 15 minute segments. And the either the first segment or the last segment you can you can use as kind of like spare time to talk about what's going on, or you know, if you have a take about something, or you know, whatever. And and so 15 minutes is usually what you're looking for to fill one of those blocks. And <laughs> we had Lake Speed on the phone and. <laughs> Asked him, I don't know, two, three questions, four tops, and got about fifty-five minutes out right. of it, and and the rest he handled, and it was, it was, it never, the conversation never dragged, and it was never boring at any point, and it was so interesting hearing him talk about the different opportunities 
that, you know, not so coincidentally just fell into place in his life uh, that took him from one uh, incredible accomplishment to the next incredible accomplishment from, you know, one side of the earth to the other. Uh, pretty remarkable. And you hear so many – Tyrone Keyes a few weeks ago, we had a conversation with him uh, who was uh, – <laughs> and some of these guys you could just talk about. You could just list their accomplishments, and it's already wow. You know, he played for the 75 uh, Callaway High School team uh, that's considered one of the best in the history of this state. He then went to Mississippi State and played on the Bulldog Blitz defense. Um and uh, was was uh, on the team that beat Bama six to three, that ended Bama and Bear Bryant's long winning streak. And he didn't just play in that game; he caused he caused the fumble at, there at the end that won the game for Mississippi State essentially. And in talking to him, kind of in passing, I asked him, you know, what was you know what was what was going on in the heads of the players before that and he talked about how there were so many guys on that defense on the field that were we played a really good game today Bama's about to do what Bama does and they're about to win this game and um, I had almost conceded defeat and Tyron was like nah something's going to happen we're going to make a play here we're going to win the game and talked about how he had a confidence um and a, and a feeling from that playing surface that was an experience that I don't, nobody else really could draw from because the, he said the first time that he went to Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium was for a Billy Graham crusade. And he said it was the first time he saw black and white people together at the same time. Yeah, a lot of these sports people, you forget they're human. Yeah. <laughs> and they've lived through Mississippi. Yeah. And it has impacted their lives. It has. He said that, you know, he he answered an altar call during that sermon that Billy Graham had at, at, at Veterans Memorial Stadium in Jackson and went down on the field. And that's the first time that his feet touched the turf of the playing surface at Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium. And he said every time he played in that stadium after that, which back in those days, Mississippi State and Ole Miss played a, a pretty fair amount of games there, the big ones anyway, uh, that, you know, he just kind of it, it gave him a calm. He had a, he had a really good feeling about it because he had experienced something, you know, far greater than wins and losses and sports on that very field. And, man, it's just something that, you know, he probably hasn't told a whole lot of people that because there's not really an opportunity often for a guy who played on that Callaway team, played on that Mississippi State team. Um, it's a Super Bowl shuffle. He played for the 85 <laughs> Bears and was the keyboard player on the Super Bowl <laughs> shuffle video. There's so much that you can talk to that guy about in his career that you often don't, you don't get to drill down to the point where he gets to talk about something pivotal in his life like that. So that was, hearing him talk about that was just incredible. Well, Jay White, I see what you're doing. You're talking about all of our great guests <laughs> when uh, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about you because you're the heart oh, and soul of uh, Season Pass. So we're going to take our uh, last break and uh, when we come back, we're going to hear about uh, Jay White, <laughs> founder, hero, no, no. and uh, mainstay of uh, MPB Season Pass and you're listening on Think Radio. Think Radio. 
Scanning Thursday, September 13th, MPB Think Radio will offer a brand new call-in program, AutoCorrect. The lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, will help steer you in the right direction to correct your vehicle problems. Maintenance, noises, warning lights, whatever your concern, your mechanic on duty will assist you in getting back on the road. AutoCorrect, Thursdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio, beginning September 13th. You're listening to MPB Season Pass. I'm Liz Gill. If you'd like to go back and listen to this show, uh, you can listen at your convenience. You can download or stream our podcast on whatever platform you receive your podcasts. You can also listen online at mpbonline.org. We're celebrating MPB Season Pass in the five-plus years. It's been on Thursday mornings here on MPB. July 4th. 2013, one of the show's guests was Cordell Jones, and here is a clip from that broadcast. Cardell Jones was the football coach at Alcorn State University, and he snagged Steve McNair from Tiny Mount Olive because he was going to let him play quarterback. Coach Jones picks up the story from there. This is MPB's season pass. We had looked at Steve, you know, on film, uh, you know, through the years. And I knew that he was a tremendous uh, athlete. Uh, he didn't throw the ball a great deal in high school, but he uh, you know, had the tensions of, you know, being a great pass also. And uh, knowing, you know, that he was an athlete that he was, uh, uh, I thought that he would be the type of guy that could come in and just take your program uh, to another height, you know, especially at the quarterback position. I guess initially he was not the starter as a freshman right away, uh, and, and then I guess he, the story goes he, he came in in a game against Grambling and, and led Alcorn uh, on three touchdown drives and a comeback win. And did you know at that point that uh, I mean I guess the plan was initially to kind of slow roll him into the quarterback position, but after that point was it was it pretty much said and done for? Well, really, that's what you know, I had planned to do, you know, just work him in gradually. But uh, that was in preseason scrimmage. Um, you know, I put him in the scrimmage, and the kid went uh, nine for nine uh, and just moved the ball up and down the field. And I just knew it was going to be extremely hard to, you know, to keep him on the bench very long. I just wanted to see what he was going to do, you know, under pressure. And in that particular Grambling ball game, he uh, brought us from behind and beat a very good Grambling team. Grambling was very good that year. And uh, we won that game. I think he had, in, in that short period of time, close to 400 yards of total offense and, and, you know, in a short period of time. And he led us a victory, and uh, the rest is history upstairs. All right. Was that from that was from the first broadcast? It was. And if you go back and uh, amazingly, I think all, you said you found all of the season pass broadcasts on They're our all website. Online on our website, that? mpbonline.org slash season pass. Five years worth of sports tomfoolery. That's uh, right. At your uh, 
at your beck and call there. So, but no, it, it, that interview was really cool uh, because uh, Cardale. It was coming up on, I believe, the anniversary of Steve McNair's. Um, he passed four years before that. Yeah, tragic and untimely death. And in that interview, also, uh, he talks about when he heard. Uh, um, when he found out that Steve had passed away and when it broke on the news and him and his wife had saw it on, on television, which is terrible uh, because, uh, you know, if Steve had played, Steve was an All-American defensive player at Alcorn, um, but was an incredible athlete, a great quarterback, as we all found out. He would go on to be a National Football League MVP as a quarterback. And quarterback the Titans to within she's about a foot and a half of a Super Bowl championship but um, coming out of high school in a little bitty Mount Olive he was coveted by all of the big schools as a defensive back they wanted him as a, a corner or a safety because he had set at the time or either tied Mississippi's uh, career interceptions record uh, defensively. So that's what guys like Bobby Bowden at Florida State and uh, a bunch of other coaches uh, were salivating to put him and his athletic ability in the, in the defensive backfield to intercept a bunch of passes. But he wanted to play quarterback because Steve believed he could. And Steve gambled on Steve and turned all of those, those high Division one offers away and went to Alcorn State and played 1AA football in Lorman, Mississippi. Um, you know, which is that that was a huge risk. Um, but I think maybe he knew that, you know, if he goes somewhere and plays defensive back at at a big school like like a Florida State, for example, or a Miami or something like that, he, he would have been another great player, just another guy, specifically one from out of town and out of state. And it's easy for guys like that to get lost in the shuffle. He goes to Alcorn State, and he's the king of town. And he has he, he was following his brother and had another brother that was a receiver that played with him there who was also really good. And um, I think he knew that it was going to work out sooner rather than later. And uh, the story uh, turned out really well for him. Alcorn made Steve. I think if, if he goes to another university, we don't know the Steve McNair that we wound up knew, knowing, who was the quarterback and, you know, led the Titans and was a Heisman Trophy candidate and all that stuff. I think if he goes and he's a safety somewhere else, he's just another player that's, you know, in a stack of great players that we always talk about in volume in the state of Mississippi. And he's not like this one-of-a-kind name that's that's royalty in Mississippi football lore. Uh, and McNair also made Cardell Jones. Uh, at Alcorn State. Uh, they made the playoffs twice and won the league a couple of times, and uh, that's, a, that's a big deal. And if folks want to hear the whole interview, you can go to our website and go to the very first page, page like 35 or something. <laughs> uh, you can see it. Uh, but uh, that's all well and good. And, and Jay White, you are one of the most humble individuals I know. But I want to I want to talk about you and, and season mm. pass uh, off the top of your head. Uh, uh, what are some of the coaches you or athletes you enjoyed speaking with and who do you wish you could have gotten on this show? Oh, man. Uh, we talked to a lot of the, the head coaches. I mean, we had uh, Dak Prescott on not too long ago. That was really cool. Uh, Dak, Dak was awesome uh, because, uh, man, does, does he know how to handle a situation? I mean, he called you and I out by first name 
And um, uh, look, the relationship between between pro athletes and their teams and media oftentimes can be contentious. And a lot of times athletes handle it because they know it's just another part of the job. Uh, when if they take a second to think about it and they actually embrace the media, people in the media will bend over backwards to make heroes out of those people. And just something so simple as referencing the person who you're spending time with, no matter how little or insignificant it or they are, just to reference them by first name. And you just don't know how much that will inspire a person in the media to work for you. And uh, that, that really impressed me that he took the time to do that. You know, and he's, you know, it's not like he's been around for forever. The guy's like 24, 25 years old. But he had that, he had that, um, he had the wherewithal to be like that when he was at Mississippi State, which is pretty remarkable. All right. Well, where uh, this is uh, one thing that I changed from uh, when I became the producer is that uh, we didn't take. Uh, Call-ins. We didn't. We didn't have people call in, but uh, one of Jay's shows did, and I spent about an hour and a half compiling this next two-minute clip. What do you? What would you name this Biloxi baseball team? It's going to be Biloxi something. We know that. That's what the ownership group is already committed to. So, what would be a good nickname for you? Let's start it off today with Jim, who's calling in Madison. But I think the perfect name for the baseball team in Biloxi is the Biloxi Bacon. The one though that I like, and I'm not sure how how much traction it's going to give you, is Biloxi Bacon. I mean, I think it, you know it's alliterative. Biloxi Bacon has meaning down here because of the mullet. That's the kind of the slang term for mullet. One of the first things I thought of, and this this name, it, it I love the the idea of the Biloxi Blues. Of course, a movie, the right. popular movie from the 1980s. But there there would be an issue with with getting that nickname. George, good morning. Thanks for calling in. Good morning. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, two quick suggestions for you. One, you already mentioned the blues, uh-huh. uh, Biloxi Blues. I think just has a good sound to it. The other, the Biloxi Days. It just it also rolls off. It's got to be better than biscuit or bacon. Uh, <laughs> So let's go to the phones. Our second guest today, Tommy Domenico. I wouldn't be surprised that there's some sort of casino type name that ends up going into this. The CVs could be very cool. And maybe you name it the Brewers, the Biloxi Brewers. That doesn't sound terrible. Back to the phones. Uh, we've got Marsha hanging on in Jackson. Since I was, you came up with Biloxi Brewers, I was going to say Mississippi Brewers to be in line with our team up here, the Mississippi Braves. And the other would be Biloxi Bay Blues. Maybe throw Bay in there and then you avoid all the, the copyrights. Ah, I like that a lot. We've got Ron in Jackson. How about Taters? A Taters a home run, right? So that's, the, that's Biloxi right. Biloxi Taters, the Biloxi Dice, the Volunteers, the Biloxi. The Brewskies. Carrie is on the phone from Long Beach. How about the Pirates or perhaps the Blue Tide? How about the Deuces? The Deuces. That's very good. You got the the gaming industry tied in there. Chico calls from Oxford. Chico, good morning. How you doing? Hey, y'all. Yeah, I got a suggestion for the name. Call the baseball team the Biloxi Bark Sparklers. Ooh. All right. Uh, We also had a suggestion. Manny in Oxford called in off the air and said the Biloxi Seahawks. All right. <laughs> no, nobody choose, got it right. <laughs> they didn't choose any of those. They went with the Shuckers, which That's, I guess is all right. So what have been some of the sports changes that uh, I know we've gotten that new team in the last five years? Biloxi Blues was really good. That's what they should have <laughs> It should have been the Biloxi Blues. That sounds really good. And actually, Biloxi Brewers is what Ezra Wall, uh, our, our, our news editor, 
suggested. He's a big Brewers fan, and they are an affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. So Biloxi Brewers just kind of rolls right off the tongue. I think that that was an easy thing to do. But look, these days, minor league baseball team nicknames are going the way of, I don't know, pop culture. Uh, The team that was in Mobile uh, is moving to Huntsville. Were they the Blue Wahoos? Uh, That's Pensacola. (laughs) That's the Blue Wahoos. The team in Montgomery is the Bacon. Uh, the biscuits, uh-huh. which I guess would have gone good with. No, they're the, the Bay Bears. That's Mobile. Mobile oh, was okay. the Bay Bears because okay. there's so many bears in Mobile. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the bacon would, the biscuits would have gone good with Biloxi if they were the bacon. He had a breakfast food game there if you want. But no, the team from Mobile is moving to Huntsville. Ironically, the team from Huntsville is the one that moved to Biloxi, the, the previous team in Huntsville. And they are naming themselves the Trash Pandas. That's real. I'm not making that up. That's not a joke. That is actual truth. I don't know what the story is behind that. They came out with a list, and we mentioned this, I don't know, maybe a month ago, the list of of 10 potential nicknames, which were all various shades of terrible. But one of the worst on there was the Trash Pandas. And, of course, that's the one they picked. There are Rumble Ponies. There are Jumbo Shrimp. There are are Bacon. Or biscuits, whatever. Um, boy, there used to be an, an ECHL minor league hockey team in Jackson, and a team that they used to play regularly in that East Coast Hockey League was the Macon, Georgia. Macon Whoopie. That was a real thing. So evidently it's not about, you know, have, it's, it's about getting people's attention more than it is having something that sounds good or is – Fairly honorable. Well, I don't think we're gonna have we're gonna have time. Uh, we'll put it on uh, the. <laughs> we'll put the the clip on the uh, internet. But we've got I, I got a clip from Grillix. We're having a little uh, tailgate party here at MPB uh, tailgate slash wake for a season pass, and it has the perfect recipe mm. for brining and grilling wings for tailgating. Ooh. Uh, Baron Von Forger on the line with us from grillax.com, a grill master uh, tips, techniques, and recipe website that's uh, developed and maintained right here in Mississippi. Baron, uh, excited about uh, having you on. Thanks for your time. Good morning. Oh, good uh, Good morning, Jay. What's going on, man? Oh, man, uh, just glad to talk to you about this. Now, I asked you for a, a tailgating recipe for this week, and then you told me, well, if we're going to do tailgating, we got to do wings. So, Absolutely. Uh, y- you've got to, a special way that you like to prepare wings. Ten pounds of wings is what you were talking about. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be over there in just a minute. So wow. uh, <laughs> so a little bit about how you go to prepare wings your way uh, for uh, the tailgate for Saturday. Well, i tell you what, if you're going to tailgate, you're not going to tailgate just for yourself. It's all about bringing your friends in and enjoying the atmosphere and the camaraderie. Whether you like the team that the other guy likes or not, you know, you're going to share some good times. And, you know, wings are the, are the very popular thing right now. You got to be one with the wing, it seems. <laughs> and uh, yeah, what, what we like to do at Grillax is, is we take a real simple method, and uh, we like to brine our wings, which kind of gives those gives it a nice internal flavor. Mm. Which a lot of the restaurants do around here anyway. It's mm-hmm. just you know. Um, go ahead and go in, go into how you like uh, to make uh, the Grillax wings. Excellent. Well, you know, if you're going to have ten pounds of wings, that's a lot of chicken. So <laughs> you're going to have about twelve cups of water. 
water that you're going to put aside in a uh, in a bowl, uh, some some sort of uh, device just to hold your water. You're going to add about a half a cup of sea salt, a half a cup of honey, two tablespoons of granulated garlic, about a tablespoon of chipotle flakes. Just to give it a little mm. kick. Yeah. And then you're going to let that sit for about an hour. You're going to stir it up, put your wings in, let it sit for about an hour, and all that goodness is going to come in. I don't I don't want to sound like the Food Network, but it's really going to give that bam uh, yeah. effect to your chicken. Um, and once, you know, after your hour is done, you got your grill going, you get it nice and hot, um, you definitely want to put a dry rub or a dry seasoning on your wings before you put them on the grill. And uh, just a very basic seasoning that will kick that tailgate off is a tablespoon of paprika, two teaspoons of ground cumin, one tablespoon of granulated garlic, two teaspoons of sea salt, and two teaspoons of black pepper and it's just so simple yeah. you just put it on put your wings on about two to three minutes just to sear on each side of your wings on the, under the over high heat once those get seared you move them over to the cool side of the grill for about 20 to 30 minutes let the heat come in and, and just cook them real slow uh, and if you have a, thermo- a digital instant digi- digital well that's a hard word a digital <laughs> thermometer yeah. uh, we like to use the thermopen at Relax but they have plenty on the market but if you check that temperature to 165 degrees you're good to go uh, you know once you get them off the grill you could put any type of sauce you like mm-hmm. talk about some of the repeat guests that we've had you you've had some buddies who uh, have come on come on and they're always uh, great to help us out at MPB season pass yeah so uh, one of my very best friends in the world is a guy named Doug Colson who I did a, a daily talk show with in the morning for like five years uh, and he is a huge NFL fan and an NFL draft dork uh, by his own admission. And so every year, typically the week before the NFL draft is about to come on, we had him on to talk about the Mississippi players and players at the Mississippi schools that had ties that were uh, potentially going to be drafted. That was always a lot of fun. You mentioned Grillax, uh, Grillax.com. We had uh, the editor of that website, the publisher, I should say, uh, Baron Von Forger, who, besides having an awesome name, um, would give us awesome tailgate ideas. And uh, that's that's probably the first time that we kind of um, devied away from sports a little bit. I mean, it's kind of still tied in, but you know, we got a little, uh, you know, little lifestyle and culture stuff in there, along with the 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 nuts and bolts of sports. And he he was on for I think a full year. It was a lot of fun having him on there. And um, guys like that used to make, especially when you know, for the first, as I mentioned, the first year, year and a half. The show is kind of a one-man band, and so being able to l- lean on guys to come in at a certain time each week became very helpful uh, for a guy who was trying to pull the, the whole thing together by himself by each Thursday at 10, especially when I would start Thursday at 9.30 uh, and, to book guests. Right. Well, and <laughs> we have we have one minute to tell you all about next week. Next week is going to be autocorrect. Mm-hmm. Myself and the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, who we had on last week uh, talking about autocross. She and I will host an automotive call-in show where, uh, uh, you know, I have a brand new car and I have two cars that have over 200,000 miles. Wow. wow. <laughs> so uh, it'll be a call-in show. uh 
we'll see what it turns out to be. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Um, our our station is excited about it. We're on the cover of the fine tuning the uh, the gift uh, for um, MPB Foundation members. Everybody's got cars. That's right. And uh, every car usually breaks somehow or another in various degrees. So Allison and Liz, y'all will be great. And uh, whenever we've had her on Fix It 101 uh, in the past, she's been a repeat guest on that show, and it, it blows up every time we've had her in. And so now you get a, a, a weekly appointment with Liz and Allison to talk about cars. And, I mean, not just that. I mean, there's more that's going to be uh, going into it. But if you do have a car problem, that will be your place to go. So that'll be a lot of fun, and I'm looking very forward to it. I would like to thank Jason Klein for, um, I don't know, being drunk or absent-minded the day that he decided to give me this platform for the better part of five years. And uh, to Sam, my first producer, and Liz, who's done a great job um, taking it in a different direction and not making it showing that there's more than just the nuts and bolts that we had done for so long and and for, you know, getting us with uh, Lulu Manis at the Sports Hall of Fame and having all these great guests. Thank you so much. And I appreciate everybody for listening. And we want you to come back next Thursday at 10 for AutoCorrect with Liz and Allison. And you're going to love it. It's right here on MPB's on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.